Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In today's episode, I talked to Raquel Dorley. She's the founder of Tinker Lab. We talk about some really fun arts and crafts and even science projects that your kids can do for the dog, and also they can create projects they can do with the dog, all of which creates a stronger family bond. I hope you enjoy. I know that I did. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So I think this is so great that we have reconnected. We first met way back a long time ago when I had my cooking school for kids and we were networking because we were part of a Facebook group that was sharing really fun, cool kids activities with our audiences. And so I would share stuff of yours and you shared stuff of mine. And then I left that world for a while. And here I am again, working with families who have kids and dogs this time around. But I saw that you were part of uh, an online program that I was in as well, where we were learning how to serve families all over the place. And, um, and reach a broader audience with what we do. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell people um, about your special projects? Okay, sounds good, thank you. So I am Raquel Dorley and I run a website called tinkerlab.com. And uh, at Tinker Lab, we just give parents, mostly parents, sometimes teachers, all kinds of ideas on how to support creativity, curiosity, critical thinking skills through art and science. And primarily the people who come to us have preschoolers or early elementary aged kids, but really it's for all ages. I even have adults come looking for creativity boosting ideas. So the root of uh, my work is all about supporting and encouraging creative thinking. And so you won't find a lot of cookie cutter projects at Tinker Lab. It's a lot of open-ended, process-oriented, child-directed activities. So I actually came today with a few activities that are dog related. I have a dog. I love my dog. My kids love my dog. And so some of these are tested by us. And then we have friends who have dogs who have given us some of their best ideas too. So I'll share some of those. That's really great. And I want to make sure that people go check out the show notes page on the poochparenting.net website because we can show some examples of Raquel's book and projects. Um, you, I love your book. We will talk about that in a little bit okay. because I think people really need to see it. If, you know, I think during the pandemic, it was, you released the book at such a perfect time that it really gives families fun activities to do together. And again, encourages creativity. And in my work with families who have kids and dogs, I love the idea that we can try to inspire kids to get involved with their dog in a variety of ways. Um, not every family has a dog that is necessarily safe for certain kids to interact with. But yet at the same time, we can get kids more excited about learning about their dog. And eventually when the right developmental stage comes along, then maybe interaction will be possible. So Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I invited you to talk with my audience today is because I think that doing creative projects around a topic that a kid loves 
like dogs or robots or nature or anything, mm -hmm. I think it's a great way to get excited and learn about it. Yeah. That's right. For sure. You know, it's funny, like the flip side of that is that I once had um, a family say to me, my child tried this activity and they didn't like it at all. And they walked away from it. And so I said, well, that happens sometimes. This is not dog related activity. And I said, well, what, what did they end up doing instead? And they said, well, we just got a new puppy. And so they ran outside to play with our puppy. And I'm thinking, well, of course they did. <laughs> that will, that will be the, the thing that's going to be more important than any kind of crafting activity. Right. And so um, dogs are just so wonderful. And in, and in you know many ways, that connection is, I would say, like more important than crafting with your child. But for sure, making things for your dog or about your dog can be a nice way to add on a layer of connection with your family pet. Yeah, I think so, too. And there are going to be times, I mean, if, if a family gets a puppy, the puppy is, of course, like kryptonite. It's so exciting. It's like, how can you resist this Thing. It's so powerful. But on mm -hmm. the other hand, puppies need a lot of rest. And so you kids have to learn that they can't always play with the puppy whenever they want to just because they want to. So it's a really good exercise and sometimes self-restraint that we we need to let the puppy rest or we need to let the puppy eat or we need to let the puppy learn to have 10 minutes of alone time. Mm -hmm. And so crafting is a really great thing to do in the meantime because- Otherwise, we get these really impatient kiddos who are like, when do I get to play? And, you know, and they're driving you crazy. And so instead we could say, hey, here's some art supplies. Let's talk about what we want to what we want to do. Right. So let's talk about some examples of things that we could do. For sure. So I was thinking about this in terms of things that you can um, make for your dog. So like activities that will serve your dog and help your dog. And then activities that may be like maybe more for you that are about your dog. And so I, I, I'll share both of them, but maybe I'll start with the activities and things you can do for your dog. And I think related to your question about how you can um, like kind of help your dog when your dog maybe feels anxious or when your dog needs to sleep and you need to do something else. I think it can build a lot of empathy to make things for your dog and for, you know, helping kids think about like, well, how can we make our dog feel more welcome? Or how can we make our dog, connect, not make our dog, but help our dog connect with us more? And so. Um, the first thing is something that my daughter actually made for our dog shortly after we got her. Um, she made this pull toy and I was surprised to see that like we actually still play with it. So our dog's now three. And so we gave it to her when she was a puppy. We had her at about 10 weeks um, and it still works. It's not, uh, you know, they, she pretty much destroys everything. But for some reason, this pull toy is still with us. Um, but the, the general idea is that it's like a friendship bracelet. So if you remember when you were in summer camp and you would make those knotted friendship bracelets. Yeah with like eight strings and you would tie little knots and they would make like a chevron pattern. Yes. Or like that. So yeah. it's the same idea, except that you make it with a t-shirt material. So you can actually buy a t-shirt yarn, which is a really thick, heavy duty yarn. Oh. Um, and so you can buy a roll of t-shirt yarn for, I don't know, maybe $10. Okay. Um, but you can also make your own. So if you have old t-shirts and that could actually make it a really special thing, um, you can just, you know, cut strips of old t-shirts into yarn and you can find in instructions online on how to do that. It's very simple. It's just cutting strips, tying them together in knots, and then you can make your own uh, yarn essentially to make this pull toy. And then she ended up making it, I would say about um, maybe like, 10 inches long and then she left tails on either end so we could pull it and our dog would grab it and so anyway it's just a really sweet way to make something for your dog and um and 
that is us anyway it's lasted and our dog does destroy everything so that's- i love that so that is really nice because playing tug with your dog is a really great relationship building activity yeah. and um, obviously you need to know your child and know your dog and you know maybe stop before somebody gets bitten by accident i know that <laughs> i know that i've had um user errors with toys like this before that if you hold it not close enough to the end that sometimes when the puppy kind of chokes up on it, they grab your hand by accident. But yes. obviously you just need to pay close attention to that. But what's yeah. nice about playing tug with your dog is that it's only fun when there are two of you participating. I mean, mm. there are a few dogs that will toss it around and play with it by themselves. But for the most part, the true value in a toy for playing tug is that I get to do it with my favorite person, right? It's mm-hmm. such a great activity. Um, and there, there are some myths out there about, you know, is it, I don't know, it, myths about dominance and, you know, mm-hmm. what if the dog growls and is that dangerous or should I, do I always have to let my dog win? And none of those things, it's all silly, you know, um, you play and sometimes you let go and sometimes they let go and you try to make it super fun. It's also a good way to work on a little bit of impulse control because we could teach the dog a drop cue and I'll link to my favorite drop video, um, in the show notes, but Um, There is a video that I absolutely love by this incredible trainer named Shirag Patel, where he teaches a really good strategy for how to teach a dog to drop something, which is really handy if you have kids and dogs, because dogs like to steal toys and stuffed animals and socks. And some dogs will eat those things, which then poses a physical risk. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, we don't want to require surgery. Um, So we can teach the dog to drop. And then we could get it all excited again and say, get it, you know, so we can have this nice balance between get it and tug and then drop. Here's some treats. Okay. Get it and tug and then Uh drop. Here's some treats. So really nice for impulse control. And it's great recycling too, because I'm sure at some point you go through your t-shirts and you're like, oh Lord, why do I even have these shirts? They're gross or they're stained or whatever. Right. They don't fit anymore. And, you know, actually, I'm really glad you mentioned the drop, um, the drop tactics and tips, because that is something that we are still working on. And uh, I will definitely be checking that out. I'll send you the link when we're done. I mean, honestly, it's just the best video I've seen on that topic. And um, I, I shared it, um, or I am sharing it with members of my membership community because we yeah. did a unit on stealing toys and how to cope with dogs who steal toys. And of course we need to make sure that the dog doesn't guard the item that it steals and eat it and all of those things. So teaching yeah. a drop cue is a really great way, um, mm-hmm. to also not turn it into this like control thing. You know, I find, and you, maybe you can relate to this as a mom that I, I was kind of type A controlling type of mom when my kids were little. And I really wish I wasn't because I didn't like myself very much. I learned a lot about parenting from dog training, ironically, but the idea that I could then ask for an alternate behavior instead. So if I can reward my dog for dropping something, then I don't have to be chasing them around the house and saying no. 
That is a really good point. That's really interesting. My dog does a great job dropping things when we're on a field and we're throwing a ball, but in my house, it's a different dynamic. So I thought, I think that's interesting. Um, so this toy I was just describing, we actually do use it. Um, well, when she, when she was a puppy, it was a pull toy, but now it's a, it's a tossing toy. So we throw it around the house and she goes and chases it. So, and it also won't break the lamp if it hits the lamp, you know, I have, I have been known to have really bad aim. I'm not a very athletic person. And so I throw things and occasionally hit random objects in my house when I'm throwing balls. <laughs> so I have to be careful of what objects I throw. Yeah. So a toy like this probably is not very hazardous. We haven't broken anything since using this toy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really great. Okay. That's a really good one. So that is a great activity that you can use with your dog, right? That's, um, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then another one for, so a friend of ours was sharing with us that her daughter made a, right when they got their puppy um, or their dog, um, they, her daughter wanted to make something to welcome it. And so she made a no so fleece blanket for her dog. So something cozy and, you know, comforting. So it's just kind of like a welcome gift, right? So if you're getting a new dog or if you have a dog that you want to like give, maybe it's their birthday or it's a holiday, you want to give them something, you could make them a fleece blanket and it's no so. And you can look for, we could probably put in the show notes um, a link to something like this, but um, it's just taking fleece that you can, you know, just get from the fabric store and then cutting it and tying knots and you can make your dog a little blanket. Oh, so do you tie knots on the edges so that it doesn't kind of unravel? Is that how it works? That's how it works. I think there are probably a few different ways you could do it, but um, okay. that's the general idea. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. We'll definitely link to something in the show notes for that because I think I'm a visual learner too. So it's hard with a podcast because we're just, yes. they just hear us and they can't see it. I was just thinking a no sew blanket doesn't require a lot of like specialized, you know, materials or skills. It's just a piece of fleece and some scissors and a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing that would be something that you could make for your dog uh, would be, and we love doing this, is making your dog little treats. So um, it's just like if you were to make cookies, but you're making cookies for your dog. And there's yeah. a great recipe that... Uh, we have used, and then our friends use as well, that is um, by, it's on all recipes and it's a peanut okay. butter, pumpkin. Now, of course, everyone's dog might have, you know, right. different dietary needs and restrictions. So find one that works for you. This is the one that we like, but it's very, it's very simple. It's just pumpkin and some wheat flour. My daughter actually supplements it with buckwheat flour because she did some research and thought that was a better flour for our dog. I don't, I'm not the expert on what ingredients should be in this, but okay. the concept is just to, and this is really fun to do with your, with your kids. So you can just make the dough and um, get out the rolling pin, roll it out. If you have a dog bone shaped cookie cutter, you can use that and they look super cute, but you can do anything. It could be hearts. It could be stars, whatever, you know, it could be uh, the shape of like the state you live in um, and then make a bunch of dog biscuits, bake them. And then you have little treats for your dog that you, you know, potentially healthy and and made by well, you. Love. Of course, you're speaking my love language, given yeah. that I have a cooking school for kids, right. so that you brought up a recipe that you can make for dogs with kids. I am in love with that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember back when I had my school, I did write a cookbook. It's mm -hmm. not even available anymore. Um, but it one of the cool things about the cookbook that was really special about it is that the steps of every recipe were categorized, color-coded by age. So depending on what age the kids were, it told them what steps were developmentally appropriate for them to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really fun. And the recipe, like what you're talking about, for the most part, I would say probably the entire thing is appropriate for kids of literally any age. If you don't mind a mess, you know, then your kids, even toddlers, even 18 months old kids can 
-hmm. used a scooper of some kind and can dump things into bowls and, um, you know, just maybe put a towel on the ground or invite the dog in to clean up the mess later on. I like that they can lick the bowl. Wait, I'm trying to think. There's some raw green. I think there's, there's there's eggs in our batter, but oh, yeah, but <laughs> dogs can actually have raw eggs. Dogs oh, can good. Have, okay. They can. Well, they can and they can even eat the shell as well, which is crazy. They don't always eat the shell if it's just empty, but if they're if you crack an egg or even it's kind of a fun thing. Of course, you need to know your dog's not allergic to eggs, but it is really interesting because I used to have chickens that about once a week I would give each of my dogs an egg, like like an actual egg, not open, not cracked, not in a bowl, not cooked, literally just hand them an egg straight out of the chicken coop. And it was hilarious because they'd carry it around and they weren't sure what to do with it. And eventually either they drop it and then they're like, oh my God, I hit the jackpot. Or they, maybe their tooth cracks it and it starts to ooze into their mouth. And then it's just, they have a field day and it's really fun actually to watch them eat it. Um, there, there is a cool. lot of fat in there. So, you know, trying not to do more than one egg a week or so. I think you can do up to two eggs a week, but I am not a canine nutritionist. So okay. I, I would encourage you to check if you're worried with somebody else. But it is really interesting to add whole foods. This is mm-hmm. what I did with my kids program as well is, you know, adding a variety of whole foods into the diet of your dog, even if they eat a really great kibble or anything else, it's still super fun to mix in other stuff. So mm-hmm. like in your recipe, it has canned pumpkin in it. So mm-hmm. full of antioxidants. It's mm-hmm. really super. And then I would just give a little caveat for peanut butter. And obviously you know this, but in case any of the listeners don't, mm-hmm. um, some peanut butter is sweetened with an artificial sweetener called xylitol, which is very toxic to dogs. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to make sure that we're using something that um, is really just made of peanuts. And I'm so glad you mentioned that, right? The peanut butter I would recommend is just peanuts. And you have to also look for salt, unsalted. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my recommendation too, just plain peanuts, right? Yeah. And you can often get like a store brand. So it's not super expensive. You know, exactly. it doesn't have to be anything fancy with like all this oil on the top. I mean, just, you know, whatever you can get. But, but yeah. again, it's real food. And some people are worried about legumes with their dogs and you can use almond butter as well. It's more expensive though. Mm. So. This is true. User, user beware. But almond yeah. butter is also totally safe um, for dogs. So, and sometimes I find some supermarkets will not carry pumpkin without, like, just the plain pumpkin without the extra stuff, or when it's not around, um, like, the fall season. Yeah. So sometimes in the fall season, I'll stock up. So I'll buy a whole bunch of cans of plain pumpkin because mm-hmm. we we also make our own dog food and we put it in our dog food too. So. Yeah. I think that's really good that you said that because I went to Trader Joe's in the off season thinking I could go buy canned pumpkin because their canned pumpkin is organic and it's really, really, really affordable. And they Uh said, nope, we only carry it in the fall. And I was so disappointed um, because we're not talking about pumpkin pie spice, that filling, you know, that pumpkin stuff that already comes preloaded with cinnamon and stuff. We just straight up pumpkin. If you can't get it, um, you can um, puree a butternut squash or um, even sweet potatoes, mash some sweet potatoes and you can use those as well. Perfect. Yes, exactly. Um, so fun. Okay. So now I have, um, some activities that are inspired by our dogs Okay, and some of them require the help of your dog. And some of them are just, um, you know, kind of taking your dog as inspiration for them. Um, so if your child is technologically like 
fascinated or interested. They like doing things with technology. Um, I have a child who's super into that kind of thing. She loves um, online like il illustrating programs. So mm -hmm. she's taken pictures of our dog, grass, go around and like set a dog up like in a photo shoot. She'll take a picture of her do our dog on an iPad or a phone or something like that. And then she'll put it into a program like Procreate. So it's just some kind of a digital illustration app and it can really be anything. She happens to like Procreate. So she'll put the picture of the dog into Procreate and she'll create a layer. So the photograph is layer one. And then the next layer on top of that is her drawing and illustration. And then she just, designs whatever she wants on top of it. So the dog might come out looking kind of cartoony or it might have different colors than the colors the dog actually is. Um, there might be patterns all over the background. So your child can really do whatever they want in those top layers, but using your dog as inspiration. Um, and then of course you could, you know, turn that into whatever you want. It could become a screensaver. It could become, it could be printed. You could, you know, put it at you know, whatever you want to do with that image, or it could just be for the fun of making it. So that would be my first idea. Okay. I love um, that. I could imagine that would be really cool, like on a mug. If you could, like, as a gift for maybe the grandparents, you get a picture of the grandparents' dog, maybe somehow be really sneaky and somehow ask for a picture and then turn it into some really cool art project that then, you know, they could look at and love on every day. Exactly. And then your child has all of this sense of pride. They made it themselves, right? They, you know, this is what I like to do at Tinker Lab is like really keep things open-ended so that your child feels like they can really own their self-expression. Um, and so it's not just, you know, recreating what your dog actually looks like unless they want to do that, but it's, you know, giving them the chance to design your dog in whatever way they want. And it really does end up in some way looking like your dog because they're really using your dog as the base layer. Um, and you can leave the base layer there or delete it. It's up to you. Okay. If you don't want to get them on technology, and I know some people are a little bit more like averse to tech, I totally get that. Um, you could also similarly, you could take a picture of your dog and you could print it. So this is kind of like an Andy Warhol style um, portrait. So if you can, like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, or if your viewers or listeners are, um, but if you were to research or just look into Andy Warhol portraits, you'll see what I mean. But he would take portraits of people and make multiples of them. So maybe it would be four different portraits of a person, and then he would layer color or pattern on top of them. So you can do the same kind of idea, which would be to take a picture of your dog, make it black and white, just make a printout of it, and then give it to your child, and then they can add marker or oil pastels or paint on top of it just to add some extra layers. And it would be super beautiful to frame and print this, or print and frame it, I should say. Um, this is an activity that uh, I have in my membership program. So we also have a membership for families that want to do creative things with their kids. And every week they get new activities. So this is a project we've done. And it's so it was so cute to see people do this with their own pets. And just, I don't know, all the variety and personalities coming through. It's really, really cute. I love that idea. I think that would be a really fun way to, to you know, display their art and you don't have to buy expensive art for your home. You can use, take advantage of your kids while they're young and creative. I love it. Yeah. And you could even make a black and white picture identical, like for every member of your family. And then everyone could interpret. So you could have a series of the same photograph of your pet. There's your dog. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. And then, um, and then each person could create their own interpretation of it. And you could like, you know, line those all up on the wall. It'd be really nice. Oh my gosh, see. I love that. I could totally imagine it. What a fun, what a fun project. So then 
the, a, a few ideas on things that you kind of incorporate your dog and like honor your dog beyond that um, is to do, do things with like, you think about like when kids are babies, we often do like hand prints. So you can do something similar with your dog if you wanted to take their paw prints. Oh. Um, and so you could make like an ornament that could go on a tree or it could just be something that gets framed and put on your wall where you take plaster and you could look into this like a plaster footprint. Um, you take plaster and you mix it together and you put it into a little disposable plastic container. Take your dog's paw and just trim the fur around it um, and then press it into the plaster. It washes right off your dog's paw, it won't hurt them. Uh, let it dry and then you have this print of their foot. That's so cute. Similarly, you could do that with this, like a garden stepping stone. And they just have these kits that you can buy at the craft store for your kids to put their own handprints into a stepping stone. But why not do that with your dog? And then you can add other little like elements into the stepping stone, like pebbles from your garden, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then the last one would be to make little paw prints. So you could just take a regular like washable ink pad that won't hurt your dog. You could do permanent too if you want. <laughs> Um, but just to put your dog's paw again, trimming the fur around it and putting it right into an ink pad and pressing it onto some really nice watercolor paper and framing that for the wall. I could also see doing that as stationary. Yes. So like, you know, my daughter is away at college and I think she would just lose her mind if she got a card in the mail from the puppy, <laughs> you know, cause she misses him. She misses him so much. I send her photos of him. You know, luckily we have, you know, I can text her photos of the puppy doing silly shenanigans all the time, but how, you know, there's nothing like getting a card in the mail. And so you could, I love the idea that you could have different kinds of patterns and paw prints. Yeah, I, I do too. And actually, so I, I was telling Michelle earlier that I work at a college and one of the things we hear from our students more than anything when they see my dog is how much they miss their pets, sometimes more than their families. So yeah. yes, I think something from your dog would be super nice. <laughs> I do. I remember that. I remember being in college and my husband who I met in college, he um, he really missed his dog and then his dog died while we were in college and it was really sad. And I'm thinking about actually many of the projects that you just talked about, especially mm -hmm. the art ones, that we are fortunate enough now, most of us, our camera rolls are filled with photos of our dogs. And I was thinking that it could be a really nice way for kids to, to grieve and process the death of a pet um, mm -hmm. or to celebrate their life, to, say, you know, I don't want to forget you and I, I want to look at you, you know, forevermore because you were such an important creature to me that, yeah. you know, to make something that we can hang on the wall and then I don't forget you because that's always something kids are worried about that they don't want to forget their favorite yeah. animal, you know, so that could You're be right. a nice way. A little You're right. And it's a hard, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to think about. So there's one last idea that I haven't actually tested, but I've seen this and I'm like curious to try it with my own dog. Um, but it would be to take a really large sheet of watercolor paper and then put your, and it'd probably be easier with puppies who are like a little bit smaller, but there's different ways you could probably do it. And the idea is to get your puppy or your dog's paws wet and then have them walk on the paper. But I think you could also wet them and then press them onto the paper. So now you have a dog paw print or a bunch of dog paw prints all over your paper. And then you take watercolor paint and just dip it into the little paw prints. And then the watercolor paint will spread out to kind of fill in the wet areas. Now, like I said, I haven't tested it, but I think it would be a fun experiment to try. So that reminds me of something I did with my kids with coffee filters, with um, 
food coloring. I mean, it's just a silly little thing, but that's the image I'm getting in my mind of the color just spreading through that wetness. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to go get crafty and I have to tell you, I am not a crafty person. I, I get my creativity out in the kitchen, um, making, you know, different kinds of food all the time, but I'm not generally, I shy away from doing a lot of arts and crafts because I worry that I'll do it wrong or I won't get it right. And I think one of the things that I love about Tinker Lab so much is that there is no wrong or right and that it is, it's whatever you make of it and it's the process and it's just the creativity of, of the path rather than the outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. I almost never worry about the outcome. And I tell that to my kids and the kids I work with all the time, that it's just about your exploration and what are you curious about? Follow that. And we'll almost never celebrate the product or the outcome. Right. And so it's just avoiding saying things like, um, well, I, that's the, you know, the prettiest thing I've ever seen. I think it's okay to validate kids, but to really bring it back to like, tell me about how you made that, right? It's really about the how and the why rather than the what. Um, and that really frees us up a lot as parents, right? And takes us away from that feeling of perfectionism or having to, you know, really fulfill an outcome that we expect of ourselves or of our children when the outcome is that you want your child to enjoy themselves and have fun, that's a much easier outcome to fulfill than you want something to look a certain way. So that's why when I talk about like this watercolor thing, you know, dropping water, the paw prints on paper and filling it in with watercolor, like I said, I've never tried it. And it doesn't really even matter if it turns out good or not good. If it does turn out nice and you want to frame it and hang it, that's great. But if it doesn't, it was a fun process. So if we just stay on focusing on the process, we're going to have a great time. Our kids will have fun and it's easier for everybody. I love that. I, I think a lot of parenting dogs is the same way. You know, mm-hmm. you, you never really know what you're getting. Um, the process of the relationship building activities that we do together is the most valuable thing rather than can my dog achieve X, Y, and Z task. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think that it's all about the relationship and the process and how you feel about it along the way. And I think that there's a lot of similarities there with Tinker Lab. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Why don't you tell people the name of your book and where they can find out more about you? And I will link to all of that stuff in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you. So you can find me at tinkerlab.com. And my most recent book is called Tinker Lab Art Starts. The idea is that we will give you a whole bunch of ideas on how to just start to set up a prompt and then your child can take it in whatever direction they want. And a few years ago, I had a book that is um, Tinker Lab, a hands-on guide for little creators. And that is a little bit more about like tinkering activities um, that really straddle the worlds of art and science. I love it. And are you on Facebook too? And I'm on Facebook at Tinker Lab, Instagram at Tinker Lab. So just Tinker Lab everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Okay, and if people want to find out more about that membership that you mentioned, is that on your website? It's on Tinker it Lab. It is on my website. So you'll find information on our homepage there. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I'm really excited to inspire yeah. families to go play and create with and for their dogs. This is such a fun topic for me. I love my dog. I love other dogs. And I, I just love the work that you're doing. It's, it's wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. We'll stay in touch. Sounds good. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. 
If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.